pretty chaotic as well. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. Good morning from me, Peter Lewis. This is Money Talk on Radio 3. It's 8.03 in Hong Kong. Here are today's business headlines for Wednesday, the 22nd of June. A two-day citywide COVID testing exercise of Macau's 600,000 population came to an end on Tuesday. Officials said 49 people had so far been confirmed to have the virus and they asked all residents to conduct antigen self-tests today. 700 people were locked down inside the Fortuna Hotel for a week after a cluster of cases were found there. And officials in the territory announced a funding package worth 10 billion patakas to help businesses and individuals hit by the mandatory testing exercise. Imports from China's Xinjiang region are due to be banned in the US as the Uyghur Forced Labour Prevention Act took effect on Tuesday. Several imports from the resource-rich region, including cotton and tomatoes, have already been banned from the US. Under the new rules, firms will have to prove imports from the region not produced using forced labour, an accusation that Beijing denies. China's Ministry of Commerce said it firmly opposes the US ban on product imports from Xinjiang and that it's not conducive to the stability of global infrastructure and supply chains. Global stocks rebounded Tuesday after falling into a bear market last week. The FTSE All World Index jumped 1.9% yesterday after tumbling 5.7% last week. It's still down over 21% from last November's record high. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by Asian Fund Management Industry Consultant Stuart Aldcroft, Vicky Wong at Kingston Securities and RTHK's International Economics Correspondent. Barry Wood, and if you have any questions for our trio of guests, please text 6393 5925, email moneytalk at rthk.hk, or on Facebook, Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3, and on Twitter at Money Talk Radio 3. Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. On Wall Street yesterday, your shares rebounded following sharp falls in 10 out of the past 11 weeks. The S&P 500 jumped 2.5% to 3,765 in its best day since late May, as bargain hunting boosted shares and some hedge funds covered short positions after short selling last week reached its highest level since 2008. All 11 of the S&P 500 sectors rose Tuesday, but the benchmark index remains down almost 22% from the record high reached at the beginning, beginning of January. The Dow gained 641 points, that's 2.2%, to end the session at 30,530. The Nasdaq Composite Index rallied 2.5% uh, to 11,069, but it's still down almost 27% from last November's all-time high. The Pan-European Stock 600 Index rose 0.4%. London's FTSE 100 also climbed 0.4%. And the Hang Seng Index rose for a third day, adding 396 points, or 1.9%, to 21,560. The real estate sector rallied for a second day as more provinces announced new measures to boost the property market. The Hang Seng Mainland Properties Index gained 1.2% after adding 6.5% on Monday. 
Macau Casino shares also rebounded following Monday's sell-off as mass testing for COVID-19 in the SAR came to an end. The Hang Seng, it's rebounded 17% now since hitting a 2020 low in mid-March. The Hang Seng Tech Index rose 2.2%. The Shanghai Composite, that fell a third of a percent to 3,307. The index has rallied almost 15% since hitting a 2022 low on the 26th of April, providing a haven from turmoil in other stock markets. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil this morning is up 0.6% at $114.89 a barrel. Gold is trading at $1,831 an ounce. The US 10-year Treasury bond yield climbed five basis points to 3.28%. And in the currency markets, the Japanese yen fell over 1% to hit a 24-year low of 136.41 against the dollar, as traders bet that the Bank of Japan will remain reluctant to raise borrowing costs. The euro this morning is trading at $1.05 and a third cents. Sterling is worth $1.22 and three quarter cents and nine Hong Kong dollars and 63 cents. The Chinese yuan is at 6.69 and a half in offshore markets. And the bullish mood has spread to Bitcoin, which is trading at $20,700. That's about 18% higher from the recent low of $17,600, which was reached on Saturday. And if we take a look this morning around Asia-Pacific stock markets, in Australia, first of all, the SX200 is up a third of a percent. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 also up a third of a percent shortly after the open. The Cosby in South Korea is off about 0.1%. And the, and, uh, the Hang Seng looks set to decline about 90 points at the open this morning. And the time's 8.09, and let's go and welcome our trio of guests for this Wednesday morning. We have on the phone with us Stuart Allcroft, Asia Fund Management Industry Consultants. Morning, Stuart. Morning, Peter. And it's a bright and sunny morning today, too. Uh, okay, excellent. So I can't see from the studio here. No, the... that's why I thought I'd tell you. <laughs> Thank you. And over in our Queensway studio, we have Dickie Wong, Head of Research at Kingston Securities. Morning to you, Dickie. Uh, maybe not. Maybe we don't have Dickie Wong there. Hopefully he will arrive very soon. But hopefully over in Washington, D.C., we should find our international economics correspondent, Barry Wood. Morning, Barry. He's here at his post. Good morning, Peter. Excellent. Glad to hear that. Let's start by looking at uh, trade tariffs. The Biden administration is soon going to unveil its plan for how to deal with $370 billion of duties imposed on Chinese goods by the Trump administration. President Biden said on Saturdays in the process of making up his mind about the tariffs and a video call with President Xi Jinping is expected soon. Barry, do you have any latest news on this, um, whether or not these tariffs are going to be lifted? Well, they are going to be lifted, at least some of them. And it looks like that uh, Janet Yellen has won the fight with the U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai. But it's also thought that the president is not going to announce any change in these tariffs until after this G7 summit, which is beginning Sunday in Germany. So I think that's going to be most of the tariffs will come off. You mentioned $350 billion worth of tariffs. And some estimates are that uh, if you removed all of those, you might reduce inflation by 1% over the course of a year. 
And I don't think the really sensitive tariffs on the ones that um, are the 301, you know, violations are going to be lifted. But on some consumer goods, they are. But we'll, we don't have anything more than just soundings from the administration making pretty clear that they've made up their mind. And I think probably um, it's a good thing to remove the tariffs. Uh, let's face it, I mean, they haven't done a great deal to to change the situation other than worse than a, a sort of geopolitical argument between the U.S. and China. Um, hasn't helped either country, hasn't made, made a great deal of difference. So they haven't worked, really, have they? They haven't really worked. Um, but they've, they've focused the attention, uh, which is probably part of the, the way it worked, that focused the attention on just how much China exports to the United States, how the U.S. is dependent on Chinese imports, and, and by um, raising some money at, at, at a sensitive time, maybe it's helped the coffers of the United States government. And Barry, do you think this, this estimate that it will lower U.S. inflation by 1% if all these tariffs were removed, do you think that's correct? Um, I think that's probably well, a, a sort of guesstimate. Um, it could be any figure. <laughs> yes. Um, and, uh, and, and quite honestly, you know, quite, the, the likelihood is that um, with the strength of the U.S. dollar now against the Chinese renminbi and, and all other currencies, um, it, it, it's quite possible that um, imports will pick up very quickly. Mm. Well, we do have Dickie Wong with us, Head of Research at Kingston Securities. Morning, Dickie. Good morning, all. Um, Good morning, Dickie. So give me your thoughts on these trade tariffs. If they are removed, even if it was done in maybe just a small way uh, to start, do you think um, investors will take heart from that, that maybe it signals some sort of improvement in relations between the US and China? Well, uh, honestly speaking, um, the tension between China and U.S. will be still there, no matter what. Um, mm. And this, um, I mean, the situation is quite uh, sophisticated at this moment. It's so political. So if you're talking about the United States government, is it the right time uh, to cut all the tariffs towards not only China, but every single other countries? I guess it's not a very good timing, but uh, honestly speaking, um, the inflation is sitting at 40-year high. Um, mm. They already hiked interest rate by 75 basis point and another 75 basis point in July. So probably the fifth and target rates will be as high as like 3.5% um, in the, during the year end. Um, so uh, I, I think um, Biden's administration will put his best foot forward uh, to cut all the uh, unnecessary taxes before they cut the, tax, uh, the tariffs, including gas taxes. Um, as we all know, like um, U.S. citizens are suffering uh, when they go to the gas station. There's <laughs> what what they can do is well, probably don't go out too often. Mm. They have to pay five dollars <laughs> for for gasoline, and even you have a, a few hundred dollars, you go inside to to Costco. You can't. You cannot buy a lot of stuff, so that's mm. the problem. Mm. Uh, but, uh, well, it's something very political. But I, I do really think that if they lower some of the tariffs, um, it will definitely help the situation in in U.S. and also may help the in overall um, the sentiment of the stock market as well, not only U.S., but also um, mainland Asia and Hong Kong uh, stock as, as well. So mm -hmm. I, I hope that probably may, may lower some of the tariffs, but um, I, I don't think it will happen very soon because okay. like Biden and, and President CEO, 
may not meet um, too soon. They may have some kind of like oh. online conference, but not not something face to face. Okay, Stuart and Barry, do you think this could generate maybe a bit of a positive feedback loop? You know, US removes some sanctions, then China removes sanctions on US products, um, and you know, it's the beginning of, a, of an improvement, isn't it, in the relations? Any, anything that yes, removes I think blockages, so. I think, is a good thing. Yeah, I, I think that's true. Look, uh, I think Dickie's got it right and Stewart's got it right. It's not over, and it's not going to have an immediate effect on U.S. inflation, no matter how much these tariffs come down. But there's something in the works here. Let's go back to Luxembourg 10 days ago when Jake Sullivan from the National Security Council met with Yang Jiechi for four and a half hours. Clearly, they are setting up this video call between Biden and Xi. That's important because there has to be some kind of movement, and I think these are probably very tough talks in Luxembourg. But Mm -hmm. it's a positive move, and anything, as Stuart just said, anything that relieves some of the tension is going to be interpreted positively. Exactly. Dickie, there have been some unexpected consequences of these tariffs, haven't there? One of them is it's actually... Uh, it's boosted uh, Chinese semiconductor firms because they've been denied access uh, to technology overseas. They've had to rely more on um, developing their own business. And now um, 19 out of the world's 20 fastest expanding chip firms are Chinese. Oh, yeah, this is um, the situation happening now uh, because I, I do really think that um, the Chinese government now, um, they believe they, they cannot rely on other countries. They have to develop their own uh, semiconductor um, firm, chips, whatsoever to support their, their local economy, especially the uh, auto industry and also like everywhere else, including mm-hmm. Um, especially like computer, internet related, anything, mm. uh, defense. So, well, this is the only way out for China at this moment. Okay. Barry, we've got though, haven't we, another, um, another point of contention now, which is about to start. That's the, the, uh, the US Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act, which took effect, uh, yesterday. And it basically means imports from the Xinjiang region are banned unless uh, companies can prove that the products uh, weren't made with, uh, with forced labor. I, I suspect that's going to be a difficult thing to do, though, isn't it? Absolutely. Look, uh, we want to see where the uh, you know, U.S. inspectors are going to be. Are they going to rely on the business community to tell them? Are they, uh, certainly, they can't go into Xinjiang province and find out. Uh, I think the uh, question of enforcement is critical, and I'm not uh, expecting dramatic action, but it is a ratcheting up of the tensions between the two countries, and here is yet another human rights claim that the Americans are making against the Chinese. So as Dickey said uh, in his response to your first question, things are not all good between the U.S. and China, and in fact, there are many jokers in this deck and we have to see how they play out. Do you, do you think, are, are U.S. consumers concerned about this issue? Is it something they focus on? I think well, they're, to- I I think think they're being re- told it, aren't they? They're being told it rather than asking it. So, in other mm. words, the government... <laughs> You're are- absolutely right, Stuart. No, the, the short answer is the American consumer could care less. Yeah. But there are activist groups that are, are right. indeed pressing this issue. But the American consumer wouldn't even have a clue. 
It, it does drag, though, Stuart, doesn't it? All sorts of other companies into it. European companies operating in China uh, also come under pressure as well. So it is yet another pressure point for companies that are operating for big brands that are operating on the mainland. Yes, it is. But I, I, I quite agree with the statement from one of the European uh, trade commissioners that you know, if China were to be willing to be a little bit more transparent, they might not have these same problems. And that's part of the issue. China is not being as transparent as uh, would be uh, desirable. And, and it's not so difficult for China to open up, show people things, but, but they just don't seem to want to do it. And that's partly what the problem is. Mm. Let's turn our attention to the markets. Global stocks rebounded Tuesday after falling into a bear market. Last week, the FTSE World Index was up about 1.9% yesterday after tumbling 5.7% last week. It was down 23% at one stage from November's record high. Dickie, here's a couple of statistics for you. Uh, first of all, global stock and bond markets, mm-hmm. they've lost $36 trillion now from their peak. Mm. Uh, the S&P 500... It's the worst first half of a year since 1932, which was the depths of the Great Depression. And if you hold 10-year treasuries, you've had your worst six months since the year 1788. What do you think? Do you think (laughs) this is a sign that uh, we're really oversold and this rebound has legs or is is it a trap? Well, honestly speaking, myself, I'm accumulating U.S. stocks like uh, Berkshire Hathaway, S&P 500, Index Fund, and etc. But as we all know, like um, the 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 expectation of uh, U.S. Federal Reserve interest rate hike also creates some kind of pressure uh, in the past, just like a, a week and more than a week. Um, when people expecting, oh, only 50 basis point hike in June and 50 basis point hike in July, okay, everything is going uh, good. But after the CPI, um, the, the data showed the inflation um, is like 40-year high in U.S., uh, things change. Um, so definitely now, um, the, the U.S. market down, not only stock market, but basically everything, bond market mm. also down, and uh, the cryptocurrency it's, it's market. It's not good, is it? If you hold exactly. this balanced portfolio, which people tell you is always a good way of diversifying, actually everything's down in exactly. your balanced portfolio. It, it re- cannot really help the situation. Mm. But when we take a closer look to the Hong Kong stock market and also Asia stock market, you can clearly see that um, Asia and Hong Kong stock market are actually doing better. In They're the outperforming, past, aren't they? Uh, definitely outperforming in the past one or two weeks, uh, especially when we talk about the economic data, imports, export, export, CPI, PPI in mainland are actually uh, uh, did better in, uh, in mm. last month, uh, even under the pandemic situation. So in, uh, people may expect uh, PPOC, they, they have, uh, I mean, uh, they didn't do anything in the past um, weeks. Uh, MLF, um, LPR remain the same, but they, they still have a lot of room for PPOC. So people may expect when um, the, uh, the Chinese uh, China uh, economy go go downturn. They have they have to do something, and they have mm. room to like give another uh, cut on reserve requirement ratio and LPR rates, and uh, to support the local economy, especially property mm. market and and etc. Mm. And uh, so and also like regulatory uh, pressure already uh, eased um, in, in in I mean in the couple of, um, months uh, from now. 
So definitely, um, Asia and Hong Kong stock market in, is in a better shape. Uh, are in a better shape. So I, I believe Hang Seng Index may test um, like twenty two thousand points. Um, within, okay, yeah, that'd be good uh, this month. All right, Stuart and Barry, what, what, what are your thoughts? What, what tends to happen is when you, if you look back in history, look at the five first, uh, the five worst six months. They then tend to be followed by a very good second half. But the big uh, elephant in the room at the moment is what if there's a recession? Um, and a lot more brokers seem to be predicting a U.S recession is around the corner yes and and it's not just the u.s that might go into recession it's europe uh uk japan is very clearly very close to it um and i'd I'd make some contentious remarks as well i mean dickie talks about or you talked about hong kong being relatively good but it's been relatively bad as well Mm. in other words the hong kong market and china markets have been seriously underperforming relative to That's most weird. of the rest right. of the world. And so the, uh, at the end of last year, most global stock markets were at record highs and very, very overvalued. And China and Hong Kong never participated exactly. in that rise. <laughs> so when you see the bear market of 20% falls over the last six months, um, the fact that Hong Kong hasn't, hasn't fallen by 20% is only a reflection of the fact that it didn't go up that much. <laughs> I agree. And, and I think that this is, this is something you need to look at these things in relative terms and, and that you know, Hong Kong is doing okay, but it's only okay um, <laughs> and it's not, it's not doing brilliantly. It could mm. do a lot better. It's probably relatively cheaply priced um, on, on, on um, PE ratios and so on, uh, but, but especially historically. But, I, um, but I, I, I think that we need to get through a, a period of very extreme uncertainty. And there's one thing that stock markets like least of all is uncertainty. Well, Barry, there, there could be more coming, couldn't there? Because Fed Power Chairman Jerome Powell's testifying before um, Congress this week. Yes, in the next 24 hours, and then uh, he goes from the Senate to the House. It'll be interesting indeed. He'll have to defend what he did with that surprise 75 basis point hike. But, you know, look, we're in a bear market here in the U.S., and really it's been a rally that is unprecedented all the way back to the recession, uh, the brief bear market in 2009. That's been a very long run. Yes, I know we had a very sharp sell-off in 2020, but that was that would only lasted 33 days. We'll have to see where this one goes. Mm. This big increase we had on Tuesday is probably just a bounce. But this is serious stuff, and I agree with Stuart. This is uncertain times that we're in. And we want to see. Um, Jerome Powell hinted at the, uh, the press conference after the last Fed meeting that there could be another 75 basis points increase in July. I suppose we want to see what he says about that in his testimony and whether he follows up on that. We certainly do, because the commentators have come out to say, hold it, you're asking for uh, a loss of uh, two to five million jobs in the United States. Larry Summers is making that case that you've got to have job losses and you've got to have more rate increases, which will slow the economy. So I think um, Jay Powell's going to be on the defensive and we shall see because the markets and certainly I think we commentators did not expect this 75 basis point cut that increase that we got uh, just uh, last week.
Well, Barry, I remember we were talking about it last week, uh, this time last week, and you were the you were the one that thought it would be fifty, and the um, <laughs> the, the people the people out there were talking about seventy five, and I think you're the one that's surprised rather than the rest of us, <laughs> if I may. Yeah, you're right. I'll 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 pull that back, Stuart. I was the I was the one who really had it wrong, not you guys. Uh, Stuart sticks the knife in once again. <laughs> I want to ask you all before we finish about the Hong Kong dollar. Uh, Hong Kong HKMA Chief Executive Eddie Yu has warned that capital outflows from Hong Kong may accelerate, giving the widening interest rate spreads between the city and the US. Now, this morning, the Hong Kong dollar is at 7.8502, just slightly below uh, the lower end of its band. That's the lowest since April 2018. And the HKMA has spent now 100 billion Hong Kong dollars of its reserves. Dickie, this is starting to get significant, isn't it now? Well... Yeah, you may say so, but uh, we have to bear in mind, we have to take a closer look to uh, those rates. Uh, for instance, like what's high ball, what's prime, and what's base rate? Well, I'll They're tell you where it is. One month high ball is at 0.65%, and three months, sorry, that's, uh, yeah, one month high ball uh, is at 0.65% right now. Three month high ball is at 1.43%. Thank you, Peter. Um, eventually, they may have to hike um, the prime rate, um, eventually, all banks no matter big or small but it, it may not happen um, in the first um, half of this year maybe in the second half of this year eventually they, they will have to hike but um, for like the property market as we all know like we most of the people and uh, they uh, they use the H um, plan so in terms of the high ball it may create some kind of like pressure of the increased uh, interest rate uh, they have to pay more on their mortgage but there is a ceiling uh, P minus as we all know so it uh, may not create some kind of huge problem because this is the currency pack uh, when the Hong Kong dollar dropped to 7.85 um, Hong Kong HKMA they have to do something but this money outflow is 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 okay for the Hong Kong stock market Market right now, but uh, I, I yeah. do really agree that um, yeah, the Hong Kong stock market uh, has been seriously lagged behind everywhere else. But only now, um, they, they, the Hong Kong stock market sit at like twenty-one thousand point. It's it's not that good at all. But uh, I, I don't really see too much downside because of like most of the uh, there are a lot of like policies introduced by the mainland government recently may support some of the the sectors. But mm. all, and also like um, the the increasing possibility of um, UK okay. rate. I also give a boost to HSBC. So uh, uncertainty also creates volatility. Okay, Stuart. I was just going to say, Hong Kong is not suffering the same types of inflation exactly. that we're seeing in many other parts of the world. The, the, the composition of the inflation index in Hong Kong is different as well, but um, we're not having inflation yet, although uh, the financial secretary is forecasting um, a much higher rates of inflation to come. But because we're not seeing the high rates of inflation at the moment, this is what's holding back an increase in interest rates. And I think that um, we, we, we should probably expect that there will be an, a further increase and it may be matching whatever happens in the U.S. It potentially could even go higher than the U.S. Mm -hmm. But bear in mind all, all the time, the Hong Kong dollar is moving more or less in line with the U.S. dollar against other currencies. So, um, you know, Hong Kong is, is now becoming a, a, a much better place in terms of its currency strength versus the euro, the Japanese yen, sterling, etc. 
Barry, very, very quickly, because we're running out of time, our one-month high bore, which is the key rate for mortgages, at 0.65%. The US 10-year Treasury bond yield this morning is at 3.28% and presumably could easily be heading for 4% very quickly. I think it could. And mortgage rates have doubled in the, in the last uh, five months. So uh, it's going to be a hit to the U.S. housing market. OK, well, thank you all very much. You heard there our international economics correspondent, Barry Wood, who's over in Washington. Uh, Stuart Allcroft, Asia Fund Management Industry Consultant. And Dickie Wong, who's head of research at Kingston Securities. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a quick look around Asia-Pacific stock markets as they open up this morning. The ASX 200 in Australia is up 0.4%. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 has risen a quarter of a percent. The Cosby in South Korea down about a quarter of a percent. Looks like the Hang Seng is also going to fall about 90 points or so at the open this morning. Thank you very much for listening this morning. Do please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock for some more Money Talk. Coming up after the news, back chats with Janice Wong and Anna Fenton. The weather forecast, mainly fine, very hot during the day. There is a very hot weather warning in force. That maximum temperature is going to be around 33 degrees and then fine and very hot in the next couple of days. The temperature right now is 29 degrees and it's 77% relative humidity. Time's coming up to 8.32. Here's Andrew Shirosky with the half-hour news. China Light and Power says it will need two days to restore electricity to 20,000 households after a fire at a cable bridge caused a huge blackout yesterday evening across New Territories West. It said the outage had affected 160,000 households, but 140,000 of them had had their power restored by 11pm. At a press conference shortly after midnight, CLP's Chief Corporate Development Officer, Quince Chong, apologised for the incident. 首先,僅代表中華電力向受今次事件影響的居民和客戶致歉。On behalf of CLP, we'd like to apologize to the residents and customers. At around 10 minutes past 7, we received a report that there was an incident at a cable bridge affecting Yunlong, Qinshui and Tunmun. At the time of the incident, we calculated some 160,000 households had been affected. At the moment, we have received no reports of injuries. The Fire Services Department says the cause of the fire is not yet known. The government said it was concerned about the incident and wanted a detailed report from CLP and assurances that it would not happen again. Classes at more than a dozen schools in Tinsoi Wai will be suspended today due to the problems with the power outage. The Education Bureau said the schools will arrange staff to look after any students who will still turn up for classes. Schools in the district are also advised to be flexible in dealing with the issue. The government has asked the owners of the Jumbo Floating Restaurant for a report on how it came to capsize last Saturday in the South China Sea. Yesterday, the Marine Department said it had cleared the iconic restaurant to leave Hong Kong for Cambodia on June the 14th, after the owner had hired surveyors to make sure it was seaworthy. The department said maritime traffic within Hong Kong waters had been managed accordingly, but hadn't been informed of the capsizing before the owners announced the news on Monday. 
The Hong Kong Rugby Union has played down the news that the opening of two of the three main venues at the Kai Tak Sports Park for the Hong Kong Sevens have been pushed back at least a year. The delay is being blamed on the pandemic, but the Commissioner for Sports, Yung Tak Kung, says they'll still be ready for the national games in 2025. The chief executive of Hong Kong Rugby Union says the delay is understandable given the impact of the pandemic. Here's Robbie McRobbie. Really, from a, from a Rugby Sevens point of view, doesn't particularly affect us. It just means we've got another year left uh, at the existing iconic stadium in Sokong Po. Um, we're very much looking forward to the completion of the, the Kai Tak Park. We know it's going to be a, an amazing state-of-the-art facility, but um, one more year in, in, uh, in the old South Stands and in the old stadium, it's, uh, it's certainly not the end of the world. You're listening to the news on RTHK.